going to read verses 1 through 10 for us. 1 John chapter number 3. And the scripture declares, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Behold, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous and he, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's, God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Uh, just uh, for a few moments this morning, I want to uh, preach from the subject title, The Right Reason to Celebrate Christmas. The Right Reason to Celebrate Christmas. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for this season. I thank you for uh, the opportunity that you give us, God, to reflect and to celebrate our Savior. God, we thank you that you didn't come based upon our performance. You didn't come based upon us being good enough. God, but, but you came because we needed you to come. God, you didn't simply pronounce our sin, God, but you have dealt with our sin. And I thank you, God, that the way you chose to deal with our sin reminds us of your grace it reminds us of your mercy, but it also reminds us of your sovereignty. God, none of us would have thought about sending a baby. None of us would have thought about uh, coming um, as God in the flesh. God, but you were so wise, you were so wonderful, and you were so loving that you chose to save us in such a way that no one could ever take any credit. God, help us this morning to see that we have a real reason to celebrate. God, help us over the next few weeks, God, but also all throughout the year and for the rest of our life to celebrate the coming of Christ. God, help us to not just see that as something uh, that is bound to December, as something that's bound uh, to our Sunday morning experience, God, but help your coming transform every aspect of our life. God, help us to see that what you have done for us is the greatest gift that we will ever get. Lord, we know that we desire gifts. All of us uh, desire more. God, but thank you that you've given us more than enough. God, I even want to publicly say, God, if you do not give us anything else, Lord, you have done more than enough. God, so help us to celebrate that this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. Uh, not too long ago, there was an article that was entitled, Christmas has become a commercial holiday. It is no longer a holy day. Uh, in its truest form, Christmas should be viewed as a celebratory party for the Savior, specifically a celebration of Jesus. And yes, uh, while it is true that we do not know the exact date of the birth of Christ, we do know that the birth of Christ is worthy of our celebration. As believers, we know the true purpose of Christmas, yet it is unfortunate that the world has decided to have a different practice when it comes to Christmas. Uh, when we attend Christmas parties, the person who uh, should be celebrated is usually ignored. Uh, many of us have had or will have a Christmas party this week uh, that does not even mention Christ. Uh, we have cute sayings like Jesus is the reason for the season, but oftentimes we simply overlook the reason for the season. Uh, for many of us, Jesus at best is placed on the same level as Rudolph, as Frosty, as Santa, as the Grinch, or maybe even the elves. A couple of years ago, Pastor Rick Warren was reading or writing a new book, and he was, as he was working on the new book, he sent out some volunteers to gather uh, some questions concerning uh, how people were approaching Christmas. He asked them specifically, uh, what were you thankful for and why were you willing to celebrate Christmas? Here's some of the answers. One person said, I'm celebrating that I've made it through another year. True. Another person said, I'm celebrating being home with my family. Another person says, uh, I got a Christmas bonus, so I'm out here shopping. Amen. One person said, my son has uh, come home from Iraq, so I'm extremely thankful. Another person said, the, candid the candidate that I voted for got elected. Another person says, I'm celebrating that I finished all my shopping. And, uh, and the last person said, I am celebrating. I'm not celebrating anything. I'm just thankful that I survived this year. When you hear those responses, it is quite clear that the world needs to be reminded that there is a right reason to celebrate Christmas. There's a reason to throw a party. There's a reason uh, to, to get excited. And that reason is bigger than a Christmas bonus. It is bigger than any gift that can fit under a tree. It is bitter, bigger uh, than you simply finishing another year. The gift that God has given us is worthy of our celebration. And as we approach Christmas on next week, I want you to take some time to intentionally celebrate what God has done in your life. Um, this morning, I wanted to intentionally go away from the traditional uh, gospel narratives in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and I wanted to take a few moments to focus on a passage that helps us prepare our hearts, not just for the celebration of Jesus, but also uh, not just the celebration of the coming of Christ, but also I want us to be prepared to also celebrate the reality that Christ is coming back again. Yes, it is true that Christ came in the form of a baby, but let us uh, also be mindful of the fact that Christ is also coming back again. When you think about the first, uh, the, the book of 1 John, uh, the first two, ch two chapters of 1 John specifically emphasize fellowship with God. Uh, it tells us that a Christian that is in fellowship with God uh, has a practice of righteousness, also, as believers uh, who are in fellowship with Christ, we got to understand that we need to be in fellowship with God, 
but we also are called to be in fellowship with one another. We are called to be in fellowship with our brothers and our sisters. But when you get the third, to the third chapter in 1 John, the passage shifts from focusing on fellowship to the idea of sonship. A sonship is the reality that Christ has placed us into his family. When you place your faith and your trust in Jesus, we are placed into the family of God. The Bible will tell us literally that when you place your faith and your trust in Christ, you literally become a son or a daughter of God. The moment you receive the Holy Spirit, after you place faith in Jesus, the scriptures tell us that you are a part of God's family for eternity. So when we read the passage, the the scriptures are specifically telling us that we have a reason to celebrate. We have a right to celebrate. We have a, a, a truth that is too amazing for us to just go through the motions and just get through another holiday. And when we look at the text, there are three things specifically that encourage my heart this week. And the first thing we see is Christmas reveals God's love for us. We have a right reason to celebrate because Christmas reveals God's love for us. Verse 1 says, see, or other versions say, behold, what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. When John uses the word see or behold, he intends for us to direct our attention to the text. He intends for us to reflect on the greatness of the Father's love. John wants us to focus on the uniqueness of the love of Christ. John is specifically encouraging us to look at God's love, not just God's provision, but God's love, not just God's providence, but God's love, not just God's protection, but specifically it is, it is encouraging us to focus on God's love because essentially the root of God's providence is God's love. The root of God's provision is God's love. The root of God's protection is God's love. The Greek word for see or behold indicates to ponder or to study. It, it is so easy for us today to get distracted um, because we have to fight to focus on the right things. The scripture specifically is calling us to focus, to ponder, to reflect on God's love. I mean, if we're honest, many of us find ourselves reflecting more so on God's nose then we reflect on God's love for us. It's easy for me to get to a place in my life where I'm so focused on the times where God has said no versus focusing on the times where God has said yes. God's no concerning the relationship. God's no uh, concerning the fervent prayer request. God's no concerning the job. God's no concerning any area of my life. It's easy for us to focus on what God has chosen to withhold from us rather than focusing on what God has given us. In his letters, John would frequently, um, the, the, the apostle John would frequently refer to Christians as children of God. On the other hand, Paul uh, would often refer to Christians as sons or daughters of God. Uh, both are true, um, but there's a distinct difference between the two. The word sons in context is a legal term. It is describing a relationship with God through Christ. When we place our faith in Christ, we are declared to be sons and daughters of God. We have been legally adopted into God's family. Uh, John here in the text does not use the word sons. 
he chooses to use the word children. Uh, this term uh, is one that describes an origin or a new birth into a family. Uh, the scripture is communicating that we are children of God. Well, like when you, Once you place your faith in Jesus, you move from being an enemy of God to being a child of God. When you look at the text, Christ's love is extended to us, and it's revealed uh, to us in the fact that Christ was willing to come uh, in the form of a baby to die for our sins and to live a life that we could not live for ourselves. I, I love the reality that when you think about Christmas, it is not at all that God waits on you to clean up your life and get things right. Like if God was waiting on me uh, to clean up my life and get things right, he would be waiting for eternity. But God loved me enough to initiate the relationship. God loved you enough to initiate the relationship. Romans 5 and 8 tells, tells us God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That, that verse is transformative because it gets us out of the mindset and thinking that God is waiting on you to come to church enough, to give enough money, to stop sinning. God is not waiting on you to change, but God is initiating the relationship so that you can change. Like, that's why we preach the gospel. Like, that's why we never give up on anyone. That's why we have full faith and confidence that if God can save me, God can save anybody. The reality of it is, a lot of times we, we give up on people because we forget about how sinful we still are. Not just were, we forget about how sinful we still are. Uh, that's why there's, there's never a family member or a co-worker or a neighbor who is outside of God's reach. That's why we preach the gospel. Being a son or a daughter of God is not simply some a high-sounding name that we bear. It is an experience that we can enjoy. That is why we are called to ponder it. That is why we are called to focus on it. Not the car, not the house, not the gift under the tree. We are called to focus on God's love. If, it's conditional. If we have placed our faith in Christ, there is a reason to celebrate this season. If we have placed our faith in Christ, we have become a son or a daughter of God. Sometimes we get frustrated in this world um, and we, we, get, we get stagnant in our relationship with God because we forget about God's love for us. We forget about the fact that God cares for us and that God was willing to pursue us. Um, I used this illustration a couple years ago. It's very fitting um, that my man Jake is super sharp today. I was telling people uh, that he was going to preach this morning. People were getting excited. But we all know Jake and, and Catherine Palm. And a couple of years ago, uh, they, they left America and they went to Ethiopia to adopt their son Harris. And now Harris is here living in Athens. Uh, but they didn't just wake up one November and say, let's go adopt the baby. They spent years planning, years preparing, and years praying for the adoption. Harris did not do anything to earn Jake and Catherine's love, but they loved him enough not to just pray for him, but they loved him enough to leave the comfort of Athens to travel across the world to bring him back so he could be a part of their family. The reality of it is when, and I, I love Harris, I'm not trying to talk about him, but when they found Harris, he was not very lo lovable. He was sick. He was in an orphanage. He was on the verge of dying and death. There was a cholera outbreak at his orphanage. He was almost about to die. So when they found him, it's not like they found this 
amazing, beautiful, cute baby. They They found a sickly, unhealthy child who needed to be rescued. And they made a decision to express their love to him in adopting him into their family. And when we think about what the Parms did, it should remind us of what Christ did for us. How God left the comfort of heaven and how God found us in a desperate and a broken place. Before you began your relationship with God, you were in need of a savior. And because of faith in Christ, you were allowed the privilege of being a part of God's eternal family. Now, I'm telling the story about Jake and Catherine because it reminds us of what God has done for us. But here is the greater truth. Do you think that Jake and Catherine's love for Harris stopped the moment he got back to Athens? Do you think that their love for him stopped the moment he became a son? Do you think that their love for him stopped when he became hard to deal with? Do you think that his, their love for him stopped when he showed them an attitude? Absolutely not. When you think about the love that they have for him, it's not just one, uh, it's not just the kind of love that is, that is something that only is expressed at the moment of abduction. God's love for us is something that is expressed that continues to keep us God's love for you is ever, is, is, it is, it is an everlasting love. It is certainly undeserved, but it's also unending. It is not dependent upon your performance or your church attendance. God's love for you is absolutely amazing, and it is unconditional. I felt like I needed to say that this morning because one of the realities of Christmas is this can be one of the hardest, one of the, the hardest and most difficult seasons for people of the year. Because on some level, it is a reminder of those who've gone before us. There are a lot of people who are probably here today who are struggling with loneliness, who are struggling with uh, the fact that uh, a, per- a person who was close to them is not physically with them, or a person who was, who was absolutely a part of their life, who has been a part of their life, is no longer with them. And we need to stop and reflect on the reality that even in that moment, we can experience God's love for us. Like even in a hard season when we're struggling and we're, we're, dealing, we're dealing with difficulties in life, we can rest on the fact that God loves us so much. Yes, Jesus left the earth uh, to prepare a place for us uh, in eternity uh, called heaven, but God does not leave us alone. God loves us too much to leave us by ourselves. And as we continue to celebrate, we've got to first remember that God loves us. So first, we have a reason to celebrate Christmas because Christmas reveals God's love for us. But secondly, Christmas reveals God's work for us. In verses 4 through 8, John gives us two reasons why Jesus came to the earth. Number one, Christ came to take away our sins. But secondly, Christ came to to destroy the works of the devil. Verse 4 says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. In him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Now, there are, y'all probably thinking like, man, I thought we were talking about Christmas today. Why is he talking about sin? <laughs> the reason why Christ had to came is because of sin. Like, if there was no lawlessness, then there would be no need for a savior. 
Like if we were good by ourselves, if we were not in desperate need of saving, there would be no reason to have the Savior sent. In John's epistle, he chooses to reflect on how lawlessness or, uh, or lawlessness is defiance. It is, it is a rebellious attitude toward God. Anytime we sin, we're saying uh, yes to our flesh and we're saying no to God. When you look at the text, uh, it, is, it is absolutely a reminder that God's love for us is amazing. God accepts you exactly where you are, but God does not leave you how you are. If I invite you over to my house, hopefully it will be a warm and inviting invitation but just because I invite you in my house doesn't mean that I don't have rules and I don't have expectations of my house, right? When we are invited into God's family, we're not invited based upon our performance. We're not invited based upon uh, what we do and don't do, but we are invited uh, with the reality that God has expectations for his family members, right? Like God has expectations that you and I have a life that looks like Christ, that we have a life that glorifies Christ. In the text, lawlessness highlights uh, the matter of the will. When we struggle with sin, we are struggling with the simple desire to have life our own way. When you think about uh, the idea of rebellion, we are rebelling because we want our way versus God's way. It's amazing to me when you look at a small child. um, We have four children and we are very acquainted with the temper tantrum, right? We are very acquainted with the meltdown. I can say this very, very thankfully, that I have never been moved by one of my kids having a meltdown. I just haven't. And the same thing is true with God. Like, when we have a meltdown and we're upset and we want to shake our fist at the Lord, that doesn't move God. God has, a brought, God has brought us into his family, and the moment we place our faith in Christ, we experience something called justification. The word justification is a reminder that we have been declared righteous. We have been saved from sin's penalty. We don't need to be re-justified because the justification that we experience in Christ is a permanent justification. We are sealed forever. Before we were justified, we were We were opposed to God's will, but the moment we were justified, now we have an opportunity to do God's will. When you were justified, uh, you were once uh, under slaves' power, but now you are free to serve under God. We don't always use our freedom the right way, but, but justification gives us the opportunity to do what God wants us to do. Text also reminds us of something called sanctification. That is our ongoing, our ongoing uh, commitment to be more like Jesus. We are being, in that, in that sense, we are being saved not just by sin's penalty, but we are being saved from sin's power. The more we grow in our relationship with Christ, the more strength we have to fight the good fight. The more strength we have to glorify the Lord. The more strength we have to do what, what God has called us to do. That's glorification. That is, that is, well, that is, that is what we will, that is the process that we will be on until we get to this thing called glorification. Now, glorification is when we die. That is a picture of once this physical body ends, we will be in the presence of God. There there are three terms here. Justification, the moment you are declared righteous. Sanctification, a process where you are becoming more like Jesus. But glorification, that is the moment where you are no longer in the presence of sin. 
Now, for us as Christians, it's easy for us to kind of get frustrated, like, God, if you love me so much, just take me from the presence of this sin. Just, 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 just fix it so I don't sin anymore. Fix it so I don't struggle anymore. Just fix it so I can have life the way I want it to be. I want to tell you a story. Um, there's a preacher by the name of Evie Hill. He was in Los Angeles, California, a great preacher. And once he hired a young lady to be his secretary, uh, he did not know who she was. And one day one of his friends came by his office and said, do you know who your secretary is? And he responded, he says, of course. Um, that's, that's young Natalie. She's doing a great job. His friend said, but do you know who Natalie is? He said, of course. She's the young lady who I paid $2 an hour to work as my secretary. The friend asked, he said, do you not realize that that is Nat King Cole's daughter? Uh, Evie Hill was stunned. He said, that, that can't be his daughter. Like, he's way too rich. He has way too much money. There's no way she would be working for me for $2 an hour. So he got a little bit more curious, so he, he went to Natalie. He asked her to come into his office, and he asked her, um, are you Nat King Cole's daughter? She says, yes. He says, well, why didn't you tell me? And she said, well, I didn't know that um, telling you who my dad was required or was a part of getting a job. And she said, well, then he said, well, why, why in the world aren't you living off your inheritance? And she says, well, my dad left me something, but I haven't come into it yet. She says, I won't be able to come into my full inheritance until I become 21. She says, I have to be patient and wait on what he's left me. I think that's a picture of the Christian life. Like, when we get to heaven, we get a full inheritance of what God has for us. When we get to heaven, we get to be like he is. We get to be without the presence of sin. When we get to heaven, we get to walk into our full blessing, the full blessing of what it means to be a part of God's family. But like Natalie, we've got to be diligent and we've got to be patient as we pursue it. So first, Christ came to take away our sins, but also Christ also appeared to destroy the works of the devil. Verse uh, 7 says, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. And he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Um, One of my favorite movies is uh, The Usual Suspects. Please do not watch it. Uh, (laughs) Just being honest. Uh, There's some parts in there that are a little sketchy. Um, But there's 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 a quote in there that says, the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing the world that he did not exist, right? I do believe that as believers, we do not need to have a theology where we worship Satan. We do not need to have a theology where we are fearful and timid concerning the works of Satan. But as believers, we need to be, be very understanding of the reality that we are in a spiritual battle and we are in the midst of spiritual warfare every day. Uh, Ephesians 6, 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. We have to be committed to be in a spiritual fight because we are, we are spiritual citizens of heaven. Like, we are not just uh, living the American dream. We are not just living in Athens to live our best life. We are here 
And God has placed us inside of a spiritual battle. The moment you became a Christian, the moment you've placed your faith and your trust in Christ, it is at that moment where you got enlisted into a spiritual army. That's why the church has got to be more than a cruise ship. We've, we've used this in illustration a million times. This is not a cruise ship. A cruise ship is for your entertainment. A cruise ship is, is, a, is an opportunity for you to have a great time, for you to be entertained. People go on cruise ships because they want to be on a vacation. This is not a cruise ship. This has got to be a battleship. This has got to be a group of people who are being trained for spiritual warfare. I know that is freaking some people out, but that is the truth. You are in the midst of a spiritual battle, and if we are not willing to get into the battle, we will always fail in the battle. So first thing we see is we have a right reason to celebrate Christmas because Christmas reveals God's love for us. Also, Christmas reveals God's work for us. And then lastly, Christmas reveals God's work in us. Verse 9 says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God, and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. As we read verse 9 to 10, uh, this week, um, I've read this passage before. I've actually preached on this passage before. But anytime I get to that, that part of the scriptures, it is like a punch in the gut. It is, it is really hard to read those scriptures because it causes me to ask the question, Thomas, are you practicing sin? Verse 9 specifically says, no one born of God can practice sin. Don't miss that. The text says, the one who abides in Christ cannot continually sin without end. And when I read that passage, this is a tough passage to interpret, especially in light of what has already been said in 1 John. I want you to go with me to 1 John chapter number 1. Go two chapters earlier. 1 John 1 verse 5 says, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. That God is light, and, him, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, he is in the light. We have no fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus his son, cleanses us from all our sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. Hold on, John. I'm loving, I'm loving the first chapter, right? If I just confess my sin, then God is faithful and just to cleanse me. I can take a whole lot of that. Like I can sign me up for some cleansing of my sin. But when you look at it compared to chapter number three, when it says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, then it seems like there maybe is there, is there a contradiction in the text? On one side it says, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. And then two chapters later it says, if you continue to practice sin, then you're not of God. Like, which one is it? Do I have sin in my life 
or can I not have sin in my life? Like, which, which one is it? I want to be very clear on this one. John, nowhere in the text, claims that believers are without sin or never commit a sin. When you look at 1 John 3, we got to look at it from the Greek. And we must understand that 1 John 3, 9 uh, is in the present continuous tense and should be translated, whoever is born of God does not continuously practice sin without end. The present continuous says that there is never a time where it ends. Present continuous says that in the, in the tense, we've got to understand that it is communicating. This is a person who habitually sins with no repentance, with no conviction, and they never, ever stop what they're doing. So to look at it from this perspective, if a person habitually and continuously practices sin without end or repentance, this is evidence that this person is not truly a believer. It's been said this way, if a pig and a lamb fall into mud, the pig wants to stay there, but the lamb wants to get out. If both a believer and an unbeliever fall into the same sin, which is very possible, but a believer cannot stay in it and feel comfortable with it. A believer and an unbeliever can sin the same way, but a believer and an unbeliever cannot stay in it and stay comfortable in it. If a person has truly been born of God, something radical has happened inside of their life. The scriptures tell us that there is a new nature that we have because of Christ. When the scripture says, for no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, that seed will never leave, and over time, that seed will grow. So why Paul could say very confidently in Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion to the day of Christ. Mm-hmm. When God starts a work in your life, we can trust 100% that because God is faithful, he will be faithful to finish the work. So can a Christian sin? Yes, without a doubt. But a Christian will not be able to continue it without end. Can a Christian struggle with the sin? Absolutely. But there will be conviction and there will not be comfort. So when we think about the, the passage today, we have very three very, very easy uh, points of application. When you look at... Um, the idea of Christmas or the celebration of Christmas. We are called to celebrate because we have right reasons to celebrate. So number one, we should live in light of God's love. A love that is undeserved, a love that is unending, and a love that is so consistent that it will never change. One of the things that we got to understand about our faith is once you have a relationship with God, You can do something to hinder your fellowship with God, 100%. If I were to rob a bank, it would hinder my fellowship with God. It probably hinder my fellowship with y'all too, because I'll probably have to go to jail, right? (laughs) But it it won't change my relationship with God, okay? So when we think about the life that God has caused us to live, please do not get on this mindset that, if I come to church, God's happy. And if I don't come to church, God's angry. If I read my Bible, God's happy. If I miss my quiet time, God's angry. If I, if I do this, God's happy. If I don't do this, God is not happy. That, God's love for us does not work that way. Secondly, we should live 
in light of God's work for us. I love Christmas because I don't just see the baby in the manger. I see the man on the cross, right? Like the baby in the manger is a cute picture. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful truth, but he didn't stay there. Like Christ didn't stay the baby in the manger, right? He didn't stay in swaddling clothes, but he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with man. He lived a sinless life. He lived a perfect life, and he died a death for us. So when I think about it, it, it it's, a, it's, a, it's a reminder that I should live in light of the work that God has done for us. And then lastly, I need to live in light of the, the work that God has done in us or in me, that God wants to change me. Like, the, the truth is, all of us, when we're Christian should be growing our faith. Every one of us, no matter your age, your gender, your socioeconomics, every one of us should have the expectation to be growing closer to Jesus because of God's work in us. So every one of us should understand that God wants to work a tremendous work in us. But for God to do that work in us, we've got to be willing to submit to the work that God has done for us.